You feeling good after the uh, extra hour of sleep? Yeah, feels great, doesn't it? Welcome here in, in Waukesha. Welcome everybody in Pewaukee. And we've got a bunch of people uh, watching online. In fact, would you join me and let's clap. Let's welcome everybody watching online. Let's do that. We're so glad to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Good to uh, be together as we continue week number four in a series called What I Wish I'd Known Sooner. If you're a teenager or in your 20s or 30s, we're going to try and set you up for success. If you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s or older, we're going to help you avoid some of the common pitfalls that people encounter later in life. Today's message is called uh, Dealing with Toxic People. All of us have to deal with toxic people and how you deal with them largely determines whether you feel emotionally full or empty. Dealing with uh, toxic people reminds me of dealing with geese. Yeah, I got to deal with geese. There's a trail near our house. I love to go to this trail and ride my bike. But there's a bunch of geese that live near it and they're always strutting around like they own it. And sometimes they live and let live, but most of the time they are in a bad mood and uh, aggressive, especially if they have uh, babies and they will flap their wings and they will hiss at you and, and charge at you and try to peck at you. I don't know why I'm so afraid of them. They don't have any muscles or teeth, but they intimidate me. And toxic people, like toxic geese, will hiss at you and peck at you. You'll feel the peck of their anger, manipulation, and control. They will peck you with sarcasm, cynicism, half-truths, humiliation, and they'll fly over you and bombard you with hurtful words. Even if they're small in number, they can have a huge influence. One toxic person can empty a church because they create so much division and conflict. One toxic uh, person can ruin a family get-together. Some of you maybe know what that is like. One toxic person can run a business into the ground or ruin or end a friendship. They can do a lot of damage. That's why if you deal with a toxic person, sometimes you just need to walk away. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, that's a book that we're going through in this uh, series, uh, Paul's this older leader and he writes this letter to a younger leader by the name of Timothy. And Paul tells Timothy all the things that he wishes he would have known sooner. He wishes he would have learned these things at a younger age. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul tells Timothy about these false teachers that have infiltrated the church in Ephesus. And look at, look at how he describes these toxic people. He says they're conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people. Let me ask you, do you know anybody who fits that description? I visited somebody's Facebook uh, page uh, recently, and almost every one of their posts was controversial and intended to incite anger. And they didn't just post on one subject. They posted on many different topics. Every, every post basically said, <clears throat> I'm angry about this. And you should be angry too. And underneath in the comments, it's filled with profanity and people tearing each other apart. There was constant friction. That's a bad sign when you're more excited about taking other people on than encouraging them. Paul calls it an unhealthy interest 
in controversies and quarrels about words. And it still plagues many people today. But before we dive in, I want to caution us about using this word toxic too loosely, too freely. Just because somebody's different than you, just because somebody has a different opinion, just because somebody's personality rubs you the wrong way. That doesn't mean they're a toxic person. I believe there are fewer truly toxic people in our world than we think. So be careful not to label people too quickly. I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to go, I'm the healthy one, and you're toxic, and you're toxic, and you're really uh, toxic. But it's important to remember that each one of us has a level of toxicity within us. I can be harsh and controlling. Those are toxic traits. And all of us have a certain degree of toxicity because all of us sin. Um, which leads to the question, how do you know? How do you know if somebody is a, just a difficult person or whether they are truly toxic? A pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle has come up with three categories of toxic people. And I think this will be helpful. Help us determine uh, this. Here's the first category. He calls them the chronically negative. You know, I wonder how many of you deal, sometimes or maybe often you deal with uh, people who are someone who is very critical, very negative. Or would you just raise your hand up? Raise your hand up high if you deal with very negative uh, people. Yeah, quite a few. Now, if you're sitting back and you're going, I hate it when Ben asks these stupid questions every uh, week. I just want you to know, you know what, we might be, we might be talking about you. Some of this might apply uh, to you. Look again what Paul says. They're conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people. Toxic people are chronically negative. They're critical. They nitpick. They tear people apart. They never give each other the benefit of the doubt. They complain. Nothing is ever good enough. And after spending time with a person like that, you feel discouraged and drained. Here's the second category of toxic people. It's the controllers. Overbearing. Demanding, manipulative, abusive. They try to use fear to intimidate you. Or they use little manipulation techniques. Oh, if everybody, I thought for sure that you would. They try to get you to do what they want you to do. They use people rather than love people. Here's the third category of toxic people. It's the tempter. The, the, The tempter. This is the boyfriend who pressures his girlfriend into doing something she knows God doesn't want her to do. This is the person on Friday night who pressures you, again, to do something you know God doesn't want you to do. And when you're around a a tempter, you feel like you've got a sin or else they may not approve of you or like you. Now, as I went through those three categories, for some of us, a, a thought popped into our head, maybe a face, someone's face popped in our head. Maybe for some of us, a tear came to our eye because toxic people can hurt you. And you don't have to live with a toxic person to know this is true. Just 30 minutes in a conversation, in person, or on the phone, or online can leave you feeling so discouraged, so drained, it may take you days or weeks to recover. You'll find yourself thinking about that person even when you don't want your mind to go there. You'll have conversations and arguments with them in your head. And if you allow them, a toxic person will keep you up at night. 
and steal your joy. Well, you might be surprised to know how often Jesus would walk away from a toxic person. I never really uh, thought about this uh, before, never studied this before, until I did some reading from a book. It's called When to Walk Away by a guy named Gary Thomas. By the way, this book was really helpful. I drew several ideas from it. And if you want to go further on this subject, you ought to pick this book up. Gary Thomas, When to Walk Away. But Thomas points out in chapter 2 how many times Jesus would walk away from a crowd that threatened him or demanded more from him. Or he would allow somebody to just walk away who disagreed with him. According to Gary Thomas, 41 times in Scripture, Jesus walked away. Or he allowed someone to walk away from him. Uh, Gary Thomas calls him walk away Jesus because Jesus would not allow himself to be manipulated. Jesus would not allow himself to be controlled. He would slip away from the crowd and he would spend time alone in prayer. When Jesus stood before King Herod, accused of a crime that he didn't commit, he didn't even defend himself. He barely spoke to King Herod. Here's why. Because Jesus understood something about toxic people. When you're under attack by a a, a toxic person, you don't have to respond. Now, that's easy for me to say, but I tell you, I I struggle with this. Sometimes I deal with people who want to argue and criticize and tear down, and I want to prove that I'm right. I want to show them that I'm right. And and I think if, if I could just explain this, they would understand. But here's the problem. Sometimes toxic people don't understand. Look again at what what Paul says here. They're conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people. So what should you do if you're in a conversation with a person like this? What should you do if you're in an environment or, or situation like this. Well, jump down to verse 11 with me. Paul tells Timothy, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. Paul says, sometimes you got to walk away for a period of time. Paul says, flee from all of this, or at least set some boundaries around that person, around that relationship. You may want to write this phrase down. I, I cannot control how other people respond. You cannot control how other people respond. In fact, if you follow Jesus and you carry out the mission and purpose that he has for you, you're going to face opposition and criticism. You're going to face toxic people. Jesus never did anything wrong. And they they beat him for a crime he didn't commit. People uh, spit on him and yelled insults at him. Paul tells us that the earliest apostles were, were called the scum of the earth. All of us will face toxic people. So here's what I want to do today. I want to share with you two ways to help you deal with toxic people. And then I want to share with you three words that I hope you'll keep in mind. I hope you'll remember as we live in a culture and a a world that becomes more toxic. Let's start with two ways you can deal with toxic people. Here's the first one. Set healthy boundaries. You need to set some healthy boundaries to protect yourself. You know, it's like when you get on the airplane and the flight attendant tells you if they run into some trouble and the mask, oxygen mask comes down, what do, what do they always tell you? Secure your mask first, which seems kind of selfish. But if you can't breathe, you can't help very many other people. 
And the reason you secure your oxygen mask first is so that then you'll be healthy and able to serve and help others. Jesus did this in Mark chapter uh, 1. It says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus knew he needed, he needed time alone to be healthy. Look at what it says in the next verse. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you. Uh, you know, they're going, you know, everybody, everybody's asking, where's Jesus? What's Jesus doing? We need Jesus. But Jesus took time to get strong with God so that he could come back and love and serve the people. He set a healthy boundary. Think about how Jesus handled the Pharisees, these toxic religious leaders who were always opposing him. Jesus set boundaries with them all the time. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm going to keep you at arm's length. And Jesus also set boundaries with his closest friends. When he told the uh, 12 disciples that he would go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and die, Peter responds, no, no way will I ever let that happen. There's no way that I'm going to let you die. But Jesus, look at how Jesus put up a firm boundary with Peter. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In other words, Peter, the enemy is trying to work through you to pull me away from, from, from God and what God wants me uh, to do. Um, by the way, uh, I don't recommend that you uh, say this uh, to a toxic person in your life. You know, don't say, get behind me, Satan. Probably not a good idea to call them Satan, to call a toxic person Satan. And remember something, God calls us to love everybody, not just people who fill us up. You know, somebody's, somebody's going through a tough time, somebody is, is hurting, and you need to just come alongside and love on them. Sometimes we need to, to, to serve people and, and let them drain us. I mean, sometimes we just do that. But if somebody is always discouraging you, hurting you, pulling you away from God and his purposes for you, there comes a time when you need to set a healthy boundary. And it doesn't need to be awkward. I mean, you don't need to, you know, come out swinging and yelling. You can just calmly say, hey, when you speak to me that way or when you treat me that way, it's demeaning. And I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. I'm not going to let you treat me that way. You draw a line in the sand and you say, here's the boundary. And we're not going to do that. And you know what? You're not only protecting yourself, you're actually helping that other person. Just like Jesus helped Peter when he set that firm boundary. Sometimes you need to set healthy boundaries. Here's the second way you can deal with toxic people in your life. You need to talk to God more and to toxic people less. I love this quote from uh, Gary Thomas's book. He says, my best defense has been twofold. Praying for the toxic person and refusing to engage them further. I'm talking to God more and the toxic person less. You know, I wonder how many times do we just go around and, you know, talk poorly about them. We, we uh, uh, complain about them, rip on them to other people. But when do we pray for them? He says, I pray for the toxic person and refuse to engage them further. It's kind of like playing catch with a uh, 
a baseball. You know, in conversations, you know, you throw the ball back and, and forth. And I remember having conversations with my kids when they were little about bedtime or curfew and uh, those kinds of, of things. And I finally think to myself, you know, why am I throwing the ball back to them? I mean, I've already explained it. I've already told them what the rule is. There's really nothing else to talk about. Just don't throw the ball back. And, and so I'll say, hey, you know, I explained myself, and you may not like it. You may not agree with it, but you're going to have to live with it. And I just kind of move on. Or you might have a fight with your spouse, and they're like, you know, you never, you always, last Wednesday. And you're like, it wasn't Wednesday, it was Tuesday. And you get in this big fight about whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday. But you don't have to throw the ball back. Right? You could just say, you know what, I can tell you're stressed out. I can tell you're feeling angry right now. This isn't a great time for us to talk. Let's take a little bit of a break and let's come back later on and we'll talk about this. Or maybe somebody sends you an angry email or an angry text message and it makes you mad because they don't understand at all. And they're so rude in the email. There's like 15 exclamation points and it's all capitals. But you don't have to throw the ball back. You don't have to respond if you don't want to. Gary Thomas says, my best defense has been twofold. I'm talking to God more and the toxic person less. When Jesus was hanging on that cross dying for our sin, he prayed to God. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. But he never once addressed the toxic crowd. A while back, I had a moment where I thought, you know what, I think I need to take a break from the news. And I think I need to take a break from social media. It's not that I want to ignore the problems in the world. But there comes a time, I think there comes a time for, for all of us where we go, you know what, I don't need to hear another person's opinion on this subject. I don't need more opinions. I don't need more negativity. I need some healing for my soul. And maybe you need to do this. You need to say, I'm turning off the news I'm turning off my phone. I don't need to know what another person believes about this topic. I need to know what God says. I need to talk to God. And as I read through this scripture that we've been talking about today from 1 Timothy about toxic people, it struck me, it occurred to me, this is like our world right now or aspects of our world, controversies and quarrels about words. I mean, I mean, every day you turn on the news, and it's not just the 24-hour news. It's, it's sports news. I mean, you turn it on, and every day it's, can you believe so-and-so did this? Can you believe so-and-so did that? And there's this new controversy to talk about. And then there's quarrels about words, and there's a malicious talk and evil suspicions. I don't know if I believe you. And there's constant friction between people. And so I want to share with you three words. Three words that I really need to keep on the front of my mind. These are simple words. There's nothing profound about these three words, but I really hope that you'll remember them and keep them in your heart and in your mind and point other people to these words as our culture, as aspects of our culture and our world become toxic. All right, here's, here's the first word, Jesus. It's always Jesus. I remember when I was a real little kid and I would go on Sunday mornings with my parents to church. They would send me to Sunday school with, with my little buddies. And we learned something in Sunday school. When the teacher asked you a question and you didn't know the answer, 
just say Jesus because most of the time that would be the right um, answer. Uh, if, if not, maybe it was David. David was like number two. But most of the time the right answer would be Jesus. And that's true not just in Sunday school. That's true in life. Here's what I believe. I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe Jesus is the light of the world. I believe Jesus came and died for our sin, and three days later, he arose again. I believe that Jesus paid the price of our sin and defeated death once and for all. And I believe Jesus is the hope of the world. Do you believe that? And if you do, let's not just point people to our opinions and our thoughts. Let's point people to Jesus. Let's not just point people to videos and blogs. Let's point people to Jesus. All right, here's the second word, unity. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays one of his final prayers to God. Take a look here at what Jesus says in this prayer. I pray, Jesus says, for those who will believe in me, future tense, he's praying for you. He's praying for me, that all of them may be one, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent uh, me. It occurred to me as I read this prayer that Satan Satan has read the Bible too. Do you, do you believe in Satan, the evil being Satan? I do. Jesus did. And Satan has read the Bible. He knows that Jesus prayed for unity. He knows that the world will, will know th about Jesus. The world will know that God the Father sent him by our unity. And so what do you think is Satan's primary strategy in the world today? He's going to try to do everything he can to divide us. Black and white, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat. Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? He's going to try and do everything that he possibly can to divide us. But if you believe in Jesus, we have an opportunity that the world doesn't have. Because we have an identity Identity in Jesus that's far greater than our skin color, far greater than our voting habits. What we share together in Jesus is far greater than anything that could ever divide us. What if we locked arms as followers of Jesus and we said, yeah, I know these things that we talk about in our culture are important, but uh, I'm going to step across lines. What if we linked arms around the truth. What if we unified around the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? All right, here's the third word that I hope you'll remember. It's the word grace. We live in a culture right now that's very high on tolerance and very low on grace. We say we tolerate this, we tolerate that, we, we, we tolerate. Uh, we're high on toleration, but we're very low on, on grace. And so a person messes up and they might apologize for what they've done. And we go, no, don't accept your apology. Sorry. About a year ago, there was a pastor in another part of the country who had to defend 30 years of ministry because he liked a tweet. He didn't write the tweet. He just liked it. He had to publicly apologize and uh, defend 30 years of ministry. And there were still people who were like, no, you're a phony, you're a fake, I don't even think you know Jesus. Because he liked a tweet. Every day, it's who messed up. And how can we tear them down? But here's what grace is. Grace 
is unmerited favor. Grace and, and mercy, what they mean is that you don't get what you deserve. You don't deserve grace. I don't deserve grace, but Jesus has shown me a lot of it, a lot of grace and mercy and patience. And if you're honest, he's shown you a lot of grace and mercy and patience as well. I remember uh, many years ago when I started working at a church in Kentucky right out of college, I made so many mistakes. I mean, I was so immature. I said the wrong thing so many uh, times. If there had been Twitter back then, I would have posted ignorant statements that would torment me to this day. But I'm so grateful the people were gentle and kind and patient and gave me the benefit of the doubt. Now, they spoke the truth into my life, but they did so in love. Let's remember the grace and mercy and patience of Jesus. And let's begin to, let's begin to extend that and show that to other people. All right, I have two questions that I want to close with uh, for you. And uh, here's number one. Is there anything within you that's toxic? Because it's easy to listen to a message like this and think, well, so-and-so really needs to hear this because they're toxic. But is there anything within us that's toxic right now? And could we apologize? Could we go to the people who are affected and say, you know what? I realize this is toxic. And I just want you to pray for me. I'm going to memorize a verse about this. I'm going to read a book about this. I'm going to do something about this because I don't want this toxicity within me anymore. Is there anything toxic within you? Here's the second question. Is there a relationship in your life that's toxic? Now, you got to be very careful about how you do this or the way you do it. But maybe there's a friendship or an acquaintance that is discouraging you, draining you, hurting you, pulling you away from God and God's purposes for your life. And you need to walk away for a time or set up a healthy boundary or go for some counseling or say, you know what, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to talk to God more and the toxic person less. Is there a, a toxic relationship in your life that you need to deal with? And when our culture and our world become toxic, I, I hope you'll point people to Jesus. Point people to our unity in him. And let's extend grace and mercy and patience to others. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the grace and the mercy and the patience that you have shown me. God, help me to get better at extending that grace and patience to other people, especially those that I disagree with. God, for some of us, we have a toxic person in our life that drains us and discourages us and hurts us. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would strengthen them to address that relationship and situation. If it's someone who we're not in a binding relationship with and we can potentially walk away for a period of time, maybe that's the answer. God, if there's other relationships that are binding, I pray for wisdom to set up the, the boundaries or, or get the counseling that we need to make that relationship a healthy one. And God, thank you for Jesus. When the world has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words, we can point people to Jesus and the hope and unity and grace that we have in him. 
God, we lean on you, we, we trust in you, and we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.